everyone. Welcome to Midweek at the Compass. My name's Jake, one of the pastors here, and we are wrapped up with our sermon series called Egypt, A Line in the Sand. We've been looking at all sorts of different biblical narratives that happened in one particular place to find out what more we can learn. And as is tradition here, as we are wrapping up our sermon series, I'm joined by our senior pastor, Jeff Griffin. Jeff, thanks for taking the time to sit down and recap all things Egypt. I love talking about the Bible, our series, and talking with you. So this is fun, Jake. That's a trifecta win right yeah, there for that's me. Right, so that's right. let's just start with the basics. How did you come up with the idea or the desire to preach about a specific location in the Bible? Yeah. Well, I'll start by saying this, Jake. I've always had a fascination with Egypt. You you may be aware I love archaeology and history, and it's hard to come up with any more exciting place than Egypt when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, really for two reasons. One would be the fact that these pyramids are still around. Here we've got buildings, if you want to call them buildings, that are 4,500 years old, and they're still there. In addition to that, you know, King Tut's tomb, which lay undisturbed for over 3,000 years and then was uncovered with all of this glorious stuff. It was like a time capsule where you could suddenly see the possessions. And so I've always just been reading and reading, reading about Egypt. So I love it. And then as I study the Bible, I realized how central Egypt was in the biblical drama of the Lord. And so the combination of the two just made me think maybe it'd be fun to do a series on Egypt and found these six passages. Each of them was a defining moment for a person or a group of people where God met them in that foreign land. Sometimes it was a good defining moment. Sometimes they failed. But I just got real excited about it and have enjoyed the series much. Hope others have as well. So I feel like there was also a happy coincidence that happened with this Egypt series. And you mentioned it one of the early weeks of this series that uh, we are also at the 100-year anniversary of the discovery of King Tut's tomb. Yeah, isn't that right? Not planned? Not planned at all. It was so funny. We started seeing, you know, Egypt in the news a lot. And I was like, why is that? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the 100-year anniversary. It was in middle of October back in 20 or 19. 1922 that King Tut's tomb was discovered. And you were telling me some fascinating things about King Tut's tomb that I had never even heard. Uh, You were saying earlier here that you're fascinated by it. I'm wondering if you could share some of what you've learned about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I love, I've been to Israel many times and trying to connect with the places of the biblical drama is great. But in the case of King Tut's tomb, you're able to connect with the stuff, the things of biblical drama, or at least the stuff that was around at the time. It turns out King Tut and Moses are maybe contemporaries, lived around the same time, and in the same house. You know, King Tut obviously was raised in the Pharaoh's palace, as was Moses. And so what we see in King Tut's tomb is the furnishings that Moses would have grown up around. It's fascinating. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know, we look at Moses as such an ancient biblical character compared to New Testament drama. And yet we've got a whole room full, thousands of artifacts from King Tut's tomb that would have been the everyday uh, objects that Moses lived around. One of them, can I? Yeah, keep going. Yeah. 
you know, I'm, I'm mesmerized by the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, years ago, we did a whole series on the Ark of the Covenant. Got unboxed. I got unboxed. Nice, Jake. Hey, uh, right, right it's not just a hat rack here. Yeah. I remember. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was my favorite movie as a young man. And so, anyways. Um, as it turns out, one of the things that we see in the King Tut's tomb are some decorative boxes, some boxes about the size of the Ark of the Covenant with lids that had sculptures attached to them, which very much is in line with what God told Moses to make uh, to hold the Ten Commandments and some other artifacts. And so it's just kind of fun. You feel like you get to go back in time when you look at stuff like that. And you got to go back in time by going to somebody's house mixed in with this series, which was just wildly fascinating. One, that somebody would build a house in the shape of a pyramid in Chicagoland yeah. um, with what, I think you said like a 60 or 80 foot statue there. Yeah. Um, so you got to experience kind of the artifacts in real life. Yeah. Um, just fascinating. Really cool looking. Shows up really well on screen and in person at our locations and all of that. But uh, I had no idea that something like that existed around yeah, us. Yeah, that interesting? I feel like I should be surprised, but... Yeah. Uh, I know people. People are interesting, so maybe I'm not surprised. <laughs> Can I tell you a little more about that house? Please do. Yeah. So this couple, uh, you talk about Egypt enthusiasts. You know, they were, they're in construction, and they had money from their uh, successful business, and so they were like, what do we want to build? What kind of house do we want to build? And somewhere along the way, back in the 70s, they said, I know Let's make our house a pyramid. And they invested millions of dollars in the creation of what really is a mansion. Yeah. But it's this pyramid and got a moat around it and a 60-foot statue of King Tut. And ironically, that couple are still alive, but due to their old age, I think they're in their 80s now, they've needed to transition to senior living housing. And now their son inherits this place and finds he has no interest in living in a pyramid. <laughs> so <laughs> what do you do with it? You know, so some inheritance, you're kind of like, oh, thanks, mom and dad. And so how, how can I sell that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So rather than living in it, he's trying to convert it into a bit of a tourist attraction. They make it available for weddings. If anyone wants to have their wedding in a pyramid, they can do that. Was your wedding in a pyramid? Uh, no, not quite. Backyard. No, no, no. Backyard. <laughs> yeah. Banquets, Halloween parties, you name it, it's available. And so it's kind of interesting to see how they're trying to find a monetarily successful way to utilize that strange home. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about a place for a while. Like, I remember it's not a, the first time you've done it. You did a 12-week series all about Mount Sinai before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was still mostly around one biblical text. Uh, this time we, we jumped around to where we were finding Egypt. And there was a curious thing that mixed in with all of it. You were preaching about the Old Testament from a passage in the New Testament, yeah, uh, which is just kind of a unique spin on all of it. I'm just yeah. curious about if there was a reason why that came about, just the Lord leading that direction, or was there something more intentional? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the majority of my New Testament texts about the Old Testament came out of Hebrews 11. 
Hebrews 11 is this wonderful passage that looks back on the heroes of the Old Testament and essentially enshrines them in a hall of fame and mentions some aspect of their life that just demonstrated faith in an inspiring way. What's interesting, I I resonate with the author of Hebrews. We actually don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews, but I like him (laughs) because he was a lover of the Old Testament and drawing New Testament application from that ancient setting. And so I just resonate a lot with his approach to the Old Testament. And uh, particularly when it came to Joseph and Moses, there was so much that happened in Egypt on them that I had to decide, what are we going to focus in on? And I allowed the writer of Hebrews to guide us in focusing in on a specific aspect of their adventure in Egypt. Yeah, almost an unending amount of content that you could have gone through with either Joseph or Moses in yeah, particular, just yeah. based on the length of their narratives in Genesis, Exodus, Old Testament accounts. So exactly. good call. Yeah, it's a good worked. Call. Worked. So we mentioned God Unboxed just really quickly, and you had made this prop of a full-scale replica of the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, that's right. There was a fun prop mixed in with this series uh, that if you were at the Wheaton campus or joining at Compass Online, you didn't get the chance to experience, but all of our other campuses did. Uh, And I love that you made a comment that you said, I've I've outdone myself. This is the best prop I've ever had. (laughs) And you had a jail door on stage. Yeah. one, where did you come up with a jail door? And two, just tell us a little bit of the story of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, part of the stress and excitement of how I do uh, the preaching with these on-site intros is having each week to think about where are we going to film to launch things off. And sometimes you have to explore multiple ideas simultaneously because you don't know which one will materialize. Uh, preaching at the jail, uh, the Joliet County Prison, uh, Joliet, old Joliet Prison, that's what they call it, was my first idea, but I thought of it at the last minute, and I thought there's no way that that's going to work. So I started exploring a second idea, which was to turn my basement into a prison setting. Okay. Probably a bad idea. I was going to buy cinder blocks and stack them up. And and then I thought, I remember there's an antique shop in downtown Naperville on Water Street where I had seen a jail door. And I went to the antique shop. I asked if I could borrow it. And the guy was so nice. He said, I don't have it here anymore. I got it at my barn. Hop in my pickup truck. Let's go get it. And so I went with him to his barn. We loaded up the... uh, 200-pound jail door, brought it back to our Naperville campus, and was moving in that direction when I found out that the Joliet prison was available. And uh, I wanted to use the jail door, and so I thought, what can I do? I go, well, I'll use it as a prop on stage. Unfortunately, it was too heavy to go back and forth between Wheaton and Uh, But nonetheless, it was a lot of fun to have that. And what's really fun is that the owner of the antique shop came to our Sunday morning service to see his jail door utilized. So I'm praying that he was spiritually blessed by his trip to the Compass Church. A prop was an evangelistic tool. There you go. Didn't expect that. that, I did not expect that. That's awesome. 
I want to focus in on props for a few minutes. Sure. Because now that we are wrapped up with our Egypt series, we are in the throes of Christmas at the Compass. Yeah. And this year, the uh, the Christmas theme for the series of December, at least, is the first gifts of Christmas. Yeah. But I was sitting in a staff meeting down at our Three Rivers campus, and there was just some people laughing and joking around a little bit. More specifically, uh, I want to make sure to give credit where credit is due. So uh, Beth, the office manager down there, plus so much more. Uh, Justin, who is the an interim running our student ministries, um, and Beth's daughter, Lizzie. Just were sitting around joking and having a good time. And they were laughing and like, wouldn't it be so fun to do a props of Christmas past and I was like, that's actually not a funny idea. That is a fantastic idea. So I spent, I don't know, two and a half to three hours last night combing through every single Christmas Eve message that you have given at the Compass Church, specifically to try and find out what props were used and where and how. So I want to just have a little bit of fun and ask a couple of questions and just see how good your memory is when it comes oh to our Christmas goodness. at the Compass Props. So here's question number one for you. You have been here, let's just for everybody joining, since 2014 was your yeah. first Christmas Eve service. Right. And we are not including 2022 because it hasn't happened yet. Right. So from 2014 to 2021, Jeff, there was one Christmas Eve service where you did not use a physical prop in your teaching. You only what? did on location. Can you tell me what year that was or what the message title was? Cue the Jeopardy music. Yeah, um, I, I'm guessing that it was 2020, 2019. And was that when we, uh, the first, uh, the pandemic? No, so that would be 2020. The first year of the pandemic when we were at the historic church in Naperville. You got it. Yeah. A thrill of hope in 2020 was the only time where mixed in with your yeah. message, you did not use a physical prop. Yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, church turned out to be the prop, I suppose. huh? That's right. Yeah. Do you remember your first Christmas Eve service at the Compass Church and the topic that you talked about? I think it was was that the acorn dropping the acorn one? Nope, no. Nope, that was a couple of years after that. That was. The first no. hint I'll give you is the story was about a guy named Gary. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That was the cave one. Gary Lutz. That's right. Yeah, Look at that. Yeah, okay. About that. 2014. Yeah, uh, the whole notion of light coming to darkness and told the story of this guy who was trapped in the darkness of a cave until the hope of light came when rescuers came to and him. And you used two props that day. Any idea what those two props uh, would have been? A candle was in a lantern. Yep, that would be one of them. Okay. You had a second prop, and it tied into the story. And just for the sake a of... helmet? Was it the <laughs> helmet? Yeah. <laughs> doing a lot better at this than I was actually Sp expecting you to. Spelunking. That's right. Spelunking helmet. Okay. Let's just see. Um, so that was two of the handful of them. What other props from Christmas Eve services come to mind? Can yeah. you think of any other ones? Jake, I'm embarrassed to admit <laughs> I cannot. People will come to me and they'll ask me something. Remember that sermon that you preached? And... 
my brain fails me more often than I care to acknowledge. So. Well, thank you for letting me put you on the spot. So yeah. let me spoil the rest of it here so we can Please just keep it. Please tell me. I'd be very interested to know. So 2015, the sermon was called From Now On, uh, and that was the Didn't pine I have, like, the words? No, no. That was the pine cone message. Oh, okay. So you started out at a Christmas tree lot, and it talked about the heat opening up the pine cone, seeds falling. So you use pine cones, but that was also uh, when you put the swing set on stage, <laughs> and you had a massive swing hanging from the rafters that I think is probably still there. I think it's up there in the rafters. And every still. once in a while, it gets dropped down, and people just have fun <laughs> and use it. All right, 2016 was Humble King. That was the message where you were wheeled out on a king's throne. throne. Yes. Which was just all sorts of gaudy and awesome uh, yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah. 2017 might be the pinnacle of Jeff Griffin props. This was the sermon called Incognito. Uh. So uh, <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, Jeff actually shaved his head, yeah. dyed what was left of his hair, put on a prosthetic beard, and decided to just have a good-natured ribbing fun, pretending to be a sound guy for a video shoot, to see if the campus pastors would know who he was. You know, I got to ask you, you weren't a campus pastor at that time. You are today. Correct. Would you have known it was me? It's so hard to say in hindsight. I, would, I like to think that I'm smart enough to figure it out, but you did a pretty good job of masking the tone of voice and the beard and the yeah. baldness really did hide some things. You, you are a little smarter than most campus pastors, aren't you, Jake? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but mixing with that, you also had a camo hat and a blaze orange hat and a telephone. So uh, uh, fun things there. We already talked about the thrill of hope. Uh, another really great one was Christmas Revelation in 2019. That was the inflatable uh, dragon. dragon. Uh, of all things Christmas messages, the Christmas dragon might be the most fun for me to sit down and recall. Yes. Um, disappointed some people. It didn't meet their Christmas expectations. But Yeah, well, you're not going to please everybody. Man. Yeah. Uh, and then the only one that one we didn't talk about was 2021 would have been the no vacancy sign, mm, yes. uh, making room for Jesus. Yeah. It's a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, that is. Thank you for doing that. Appreciate you taking the time to, to research. Hey, uh, well, mixed in with all of it, I did get to watch a lot of our old Christmas services um, and just some really powerful moments mm. just to be able to sit down and even remember um, in the midst of a pandemic, the beauty of a string quartet playing our worship mm, music was outstanding. Awesome. Um, but I, I had forgotten about there was the um, incognito message where you went and planted a tree in your backyard. Ah, yes. And you and Andy had to go out and record probably over the course of a full year to get different seasons and times and all of that. Yeah. Um, and it just made me flash back to the song that came after it that Amy Knabel had led and mm. uh, just really a powerful moment. Yeah. So let's use that to springboard into Christmas this year. Yeah. Um, what can we be mindful of that's coming outside of it's just a great time with powerful moments mixed in. Yeah. Yeah, really excited. I, I do enjoy planning our Christmas Eve services. We, uh, we start very early. The uh, little more time to be a little more creative than maybe your average service. And so uh, with the Worship Arts team, it's been one that we have been working on for some time. Yeah, we're, we're talking, you know, about peace on earth. When... when Jesus was born, the angels announced to the shepherd that this is one who's bringing peace on earth. Mm -hmm. And 
It was a crazy time when Jesus was born. The Romans were announcing that they were the bringers of peace. But the truth was they were dominating all of these nations and their peace was a false peace. Only Jesus can bring the peace that our heart longs for. So we're going to look at snow globes. That's kind of the prop. Maybe I'm really feeling too much at this point. But Oh, I think it's obvious when they go to the website. And there's a little snow globe oh, that's in true. the corner of yeah, it. So I, guess, I, I guess think we're okay. We're not spoiling anything. Yeah. The whole idea of a snow globe is that it's a little world within the glass. And you can have a horrible storm outside and yet a ser- serene little setting inside. And that's really the kind of peace that Jesus wants to bring us. He wants to do a work in us where even when the circumstances of our lives are crazy and awful and terrifying, there can be the peace of Christ reigning in our hearts. There can be an inner serenity that only Jesus can bring. And I'm, I'm needing it myself as I know everyone else needs it as well. So it'll be fun to go after it this Christmas Eve. That's right. And this is the perfect time to just let everybody know we've got a little less than a month until that time comes. So be thinking about who you're going to invite. Yeah, uh, great idea. It's one of those. It's it, the easiest service of a year to invite a friend to. Yeah. Um, and if you want to start somewhere else, you can forward them the online service when the time comes. That'll go live the, the week of our Christmas Eve services. Just consider that also as a possible invite tool where it will give people people the feel of what's going to be happening, uh, but there's always more that happens in the room than happens online, and it's just, it's a good bridge-building thing mm. that you could do to get somebody into a space to f- experience peace, yeah. and the peace that only Jesus brings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you never know how God can use a simple invitation. You, you knock on the uh, door of the neighbors next to you and just say, hey, don't know if you had plans, but wanted to invite you to our Christmas Eve service. And God may use that in huge ways. We've seen it before. That's right. And he uses props in huge ways, too. <laughs> yes, he does. Somebody comes to church because of it. <laughs> yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> uh, there may or may not even be a prop that's given out to people as they leave the doors at one of our five yes, campuses. So yes. uh, just be mindful of that. Everybody joining in here as well. Um, I just want to ask one last question about Christmas Eve. Yeah. How many times are you preaching the same message live? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Jake, I don't know. Do you know? Uh, it's in the teens. Is it? Yeah. It's substantial. Yes. We do, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, for three days. Yeah. Yeah. And because it's not, you know, Sunday morning, it's all crammed in the morning. We have actually a broader amount of time. Three days over broader time enables me to be to more campuses. I I think I'm getting to most. You're getting to all of them. Am I getting to all campuses? All five of them. Which is really a treat for me. I, I do that selfishly because I just love this opportunity to be in all the campuses. So I do think it's like 13 or something. It's kind of crazy. People are excited to be able yeah. to interface. Hopefully I get it right by the 13th time, right? No excuses. Uh, hopefully you're not falling asleep by the 13th time. <laughs> yeah. I think either of those could be a possibility. But yeah, uh, man, Jeff, thanks for sitting down and taking the time to do this again. I always love being able to do it. So, so much fun. Um, and thank all of you guys for joining. We are in our Christmas season officially here. And we're having some fun on our midweek podcast coming up. And we're just doing a midweek at the compass, Christmas at the compass. So this first week, we're going to sit down with some of our church staff, but not just any church staff, 
church staff that were born and raised all around the globe to find out what Christmas traditions they have and how much it puts my Christmas traditions to shame. More than that as well, it's going to be what also unites us during the Christmas season. So make sure to join us next time here at Midweek at the Compass.